I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is Off Topic Hot Topic, a bonus episode of the Hunting Seasons podcast. I'm Damask Leary. I'm Broderick Gordis. Hello, sweetie. Off Topic Hot Topic. Uh, that's whatever you were talking about for you. In case you don't know, Off Topic Hot Topic is where we talk about the headlines of the TV and entertainment world and discuss the stuff we've been watching, reading, playing, and generally consuming. You should also know that we love getting topic suggestions from our listeners, so if you'd like to contribute a question, topic, or story to Off Topic Hot Topic, you can do so by emailing us at contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or tweeting us at huntingscast. News in Fuller! Oh my god! There's Would you news believe? In Fuller? Yes, the segment is back because there has been some news in Fuller. Our favourite sometimes showrunner, often fired showrunner, Brian Fuller, is apparently remaking Stephen King killer car classic Christine as a film, as far as I'm aware. Quoting from Jermaine Lucier at Gizmodo, originally published in 1983, Christine is about a shy young man named Arnie who buys a beat-up old car named Christine. As he restores it, Arnie realises the car has a mind of its own, an evil mind, and it begins to change him and the people around him. John Carpenter adapted the novel into a movie the same year, which has since become a cult favourite. Now, how do you feel about this? Are you a Stephen King fan? Do you like Stephen King books or films? Are you looking forward to a Brian Fuller remake of Christine. Boy, am I. Um, (laughs) Look, I'm not a Stephen King fan, not because I don't like his stuff, but just because I haven't read any of his stuff. Um, I've only seen, like, adaptations of his work, many of which are terrible. Like, so, so bad. Some of which are really good, though. Pardon? Some of which are really good, though. Some are, but I feel like a lot that have come out in my lifetime... Sure. Um, have been pretty bad. Um, I haven't seen the original Christine. Neither. I know that it's beloved, um, so I think it's a really weird choice to remake it, considering his background of making, I'm going to say, interesting choices. Um, yeah. I'm, am I looking forward to this? Absolutely not, and I won't be watching it. I think, weirdly, there's a parallel between Brian Fuller and Stephen King. Uh, you know, there is a, a sort of a... a, a Strong fan following that people get excited about anything new he's doing. Mm-hmm. Not always great though, but sometimes <laughs> can be great perhaps. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's just exciting from our perspective anyway that Brian Fuller is doing something else finally. He's right. been sitting on the sidelines ever since American Gods, I feel like. So it's yeah. time for him to get out and stretch his legs again. Well, I can't wait for the update where you tell me that he's left the project. So that's <laughs> be exciting. Uh, some headlines for you. Some key announcements we'll start with. Disney Plus have officially greenlit a Gaston and LeFou music musical prequel series uh, to the live action Beauty and the Beast. We've talked about this previously. There were, there were rumors this was going to happen or you know, there was speculation it would happen. Luke Evans and Josh Gad will return to reprise their roles. So that's happening. Are you excited for a uh, Gaston musical Disney Plus show? No, I hated the live action Beauty and the Beast. I thought it was goddamn awful. 
I thought Luke, e- Luke Evans's Gaston was one of the highlights of that, though. Absolutely. But I agree. I have no interest in that. Whatsoever. I don't need to watch an entire series about Gaston, like the most toxic fucking character. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, not super psyched for that. Yeah, what will they do with that? Will they try and like redeem his character to some degree? Like they always seem to do with his villain, like. But how can they done- if it's like a prequel? Good question. Maybe we'll find out. Maybe this is like a uh, Better Call Saul situation. We find out he was actually a good guy previously, and then he's like, being like corrupted by something. It wasn't his mm. fault. He was a bad guy by the time we got to Beauty and the Beast. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Jackson's upcoming film restoration slash documentary film, The Beatles Get Back. Is no longer a film. It's now being turned into a six-hour, three-episode miniseries for Disney+. Plus. I've heard uh, this before. It yeah. sounds fucking familiar. Yep. <laughs> it will release over three consecutive days on the Thanksgiving long weekend in November of this year. As you can imagine, and Damask was alluding to, there have been a lot of jokes made about P. Jackson turning another property into a trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, listen, uh, you know, uh, Jackson's got a Jackson. This is what he does, I guess. <laughs> But I'm I'm super looking forward to this. The idea of like getting just more of it and turning it into a mini series, like documentary series, are really really popular these days. You think mm. about um, the Last Dance uh, with Michael Jordan and stuff like that, and there's, there didn't have to be. It never had to be a movie. Making a mini series, mm. great it, stuff yeah, for Disney Plus. Makes more sense than turning a very small book like The Hobbit into a trilogy. <laughs> like this this tracks for me. Yeah, totally. Long running series Supernatural, which only recently finished. Uh, finally, some might say finally concluded, is getting a prequel series. Titled The Winchesters, it will tell the story of the parents of Winchester brothers Sam and Dean, aka the protagonists of Supernatural. Uh, I don't think either of us are particularly excited about that, but it's pretty amazing, a show that sort of continued on for like 15 seasons Mm. and then finally came to its conclusion. The thing is barely like cold and they're like, nope, prequel series, let's go. Keep Mm -hmm. this train rolling. I mean, I'm happy for all those Supernatural fans, I guess, which like there are apparently are a lot of them. Um, I am not one. Um, yes, like good for them. But I don't know what else to say to that. Totally. In renewal news, since our last off-topic, off-topic hot topic episode, rumors started to circulate that Amazon had quietly renewed Good Omens for a second season, and the production would start in September of this year. That turned out to be absolutely true, officially being announced on June 29th. Reading from Gabrielle Sanchez's article on the AV Club, uh, and this was starts with a quote from Neil Gaiman. It's the th- it's 31 years since Good Omens was published, which means it's 32 years since Terry Pratchett and I lay in our respective beds in a Seattle hotel room at a world fantasy convention and plotted the sequel. I got to use bits of the sequel in Good Omens. That's where our angles, ca- uh, sorry, our angels come came from. Terry's not there any, sorry, not here any longer, but when he was. We had talked about what we wanted to do with Good Omens and where we want the story to go next. And now, thanks to BBC Studios and Amazon, I get to take it there. Now, we reviewed Good Omens Season 1. We How did. do you feel about the idea of a sequel series that, while it doesn't currently have any source material, is being written by one of the original creators? Um, I guess it's promising in the sense that because the sequel doesn't actually exist yet, they aren't beholden to some of the stuff that we didn't like in the first one. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of kind of plot stuff and side characters in season one that I think we both felt were like a distraction from the thing that we actually wanted to watch, mm-hmm. which was our um, our two angels. Um, so, if yeah, I guess if the show is more focused on them, because I think they've got such great chemistry, I'd absolutely watch it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm... Uh- 
Neil Gaiman's TV adaptations haven't always been my favorite thing. Mm. Um, though he has also written some of my favorite, one of my favorite TV episodes or episodes of Doctor Who at least. So I know like he's got that ability to make great TV. I'm just not always sure that his books have adapted well to television. So this is an interesting, like uh, the best example of that obviously being American Gods. Mm. Um, but I don't know. This is a different beast, I guess. There was a lot that we did like about the first Good Omen series. As you said, there was a lot of B and C plot stuff that if it wasn't there, would have made the show better. We think the A plot, the stuff with Michael Sheen and um, David Tennant was obviously fantastic. If they focus more on that, I totally agree. I'll be a very happy man. And I think there's potential for this to be really, really, really cool. Especially mm-hmm. if it's being built for TV first. Mm. Take that original concept for a sequel, sure. But make this for TV, not adapting the book to TV. Um, and boy, I hope that's good. Because if it is good, that's that's really, really exciting. I'll be, I'll be there. I'm interested in reviewing it too. Yeah, um, me too. If you are. Cool. Justin Roiland's Solar Opposites is getting a fourth season on Hulu. Have you still been watching Solar Opposites? Uh, no, I fell off. I think Disney Plus is one of those streaming services because that's where we get it here. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That unless it's kind of, you know, a show like Loki or something, I'm not actually checking it that often to be like, what's sure. on Disney Plus? Um, so, no, I fell off, but I definitely want to keep watching it because I did enjoy what I saw. Netflix's Shadow and Bone is returning for a season two, which was a show that you watched season one and mm-hmm. were relatively warm on. Um, I mean, it was terrible. Like, let's <laughs> let's be clear. It was really bad, um, but it kind of like sparked that, oh, I just want to watch fantasy series, as many sure. fantasy series as I can, which then like took me to The Witcher, which I heard people hated, but I actually quite enjoyed. So it was really bad, but I'll probably <laughs> tune in for season two. Why not? I think there are a lot of people who did like it. So, again, mm. si- similar to the Supernatural situation, happy for those people that are getting a second season of Shadow and Bone. HBO Max has renewed Gene Smart's Hacks for a season two, a show I've been meaning to get to for a while now. Maybe we'll get around to reviewing that one because it's been universally acclaimed, I think, that one. Well, it's not available in oh, Australia far out. Um, because otherwise I definitely would, 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 would um, make us watch it because, you know... Say I had somehow found a way to watch it. Maybe follow the treasure map. Yeah, to- I would say that um, <laughs> it's probably my favourite show of the year. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes. It's got to arrive eventually. Who's getting it? Foxtel? Stan? Who Tom knows? Does. Yeah. Peacock has renewed Tina Fey's latest comedy series, Girls 5 Ever, for a second season as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you watched season one. How do you feel about that getting a season two? Are you excited? I am excited because I think there's so much more to do there. I think it's one of those comedies that, like, the deeper they get past the kind of stereotypes of each character, the better it'll be. And season one, they're still very much in those stereotypes. Mm -hmm. So I'd be looking forward to see how they develop those characters. On the cancellation front, HBO has officially cancelled Lovecraft Country after just one season. We also reviewed season one of Lovecraft Country. Mm. We were... Media, uh, sort of middling on it, I think. There were yeah. some high highs. I liked it, was, it. Yeah. There was a lot, There was a lot. I think, you could enjoy about it. Yeah. The, they had really strong production values. I really liked the performances for the most mm. part. It sort of was a weird, semi-episodic, semi-serialized, sometimes anthology sort of feeling type show. It was a little bit disconnected. Had really strong episodes and other episodes that were super forgettable. Mm. I think I certainly liked it more than you did. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I'm a little disappointed. I would have liked more. 
Do yeah, I remember at the time we reviewed it, it felt like the talk around it was really strong at the start of the season and then it sort mm. of trailed off. And so I'm not that surprised that it hasn't got a season two. There's no more source material, which means they'd have to be writing all new story and stuff for it. So mm. they can't just adapt from the, the book anymore. Um, and I imagine it's a pretty expensive show because yeah, it true. looked great. Mm. And so unless you know you got that audience there, I imagine also HBO is is like chasing the what's the next Game of Thrones mm-hmm. sort of thing at the moment with its like fantasy type stuff. And I don't think I don't think Lovecraft Country quite got there, so I'm not too surprised it's gone. But I am sad because I think a second season where you get to direct the story a bit better in in a particular direction again, not mm-hmm. so much adapting for TV but making it for TV, it could have been anything. Zoe's extraordinary playlist is not returning for a third season on NBC. Did you watch any of the first two seasons of that? Yes, I watched all of season one except I think the last episode because I could tell where it was going. I think it was going to be really sad, and I was like, I don't oh, want to. Okay. I don't want to watch. I think I had my period at the time, and I was like, I can't deal with this right now because then they're like singing, and then it's just like overly emotionally manipulative because you know musical and it just kind of reaches you on that level I'm like, i just sure. cannot do this right now guys so i stopped watching it um and i never went back because i tried to get back into it then i was like well now that i've fallen out of this world it just feels super dorky and i it's hard to get back into that zone of you know these very it looks really pretty and fake like super it looks really american okay plus you've got these like kind of saccharine singing sure like it's probably like it's such an American show, if you know what I mean. Like it's very sentimental. Um, everything looks beautiful and plastic. It's it's hard to dive back into it once you're out. Is what I'm gotcha. gonna say. Yeah. Uh, Christina Hendricks, May Whitman, and Rita Aretas, sorry, suburban mum crime co- dramedy Good Girls has been cancelled after its fourth season with neither NBC nor Netflix, who co-funded the show, choosing to pick it up for a fifth. Go around. My partner, Steph, will be a bit upset about that because she's been watching Good Girls sort of on and off mm. as it's been releasing on Netflix here in Australia. Um, and I don't think it probably ended in a, like in a particularly satisfying place either. I think that it was probably sucks. on a bit of a cliffhanger. So that sucks for people who are into that. Netflix yeah. has been good at that recently. I Just the other day, I was thinking about Glow. Just like, mm. far out, I'm pissed off we didn't get a fourth season of that show. Yeah. Just keeps coming up in my mind. In casting news, Jamila Jamil is to play She-Hulk villain Tit. Titania for Disney Plus. Don't know the character. I'm just sorry. Kind of is it up. just for clarification? Is it Tit Titania or did you just say it <laughs> no, wrong? Titania. Okay. I was, went to read and was like, "How am I saying that?" Do you know how uh, they always have like alliteration, like Peter Parker? I'm like, "Oh, Tit-Titania. a character called Tit Titania." Okay, all right, I'm into that. <laughs> gotcha. Titania or t- probably Titania, Titania. I don't know. Anyway, for Disney Plus, I don't know. The- <laughs> Titania probably makes more sense, like it a does. Titan. Yeah. yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> I'm tired. I was up watching the tennis last night. Yeah, Gosh, buddy. Um, she's playing She-Hulk feeling Titania for Disney+. Plus. Mainly bring that up because I'm Jamil Jamil, like we were big fans mm. of her in The Good Place. Yeah, and I haven't really seen place. her in much. I think she's been hosting some sort of art-like um, reality TV show thing. Um, yeah, she's been doing thing. stuff and like she's got a podcast and obviously, yeah. A lot of that kind of thing, some kind of mm. like social justice stuff, some um, – what's the word I'm looking for? It's, I don't think they use the term body positive anymore, but like that kind of stuff. Like she's doing a lot of advocacy and definitely that stuff. Uh, but no, I haven't yeah. actually seen her in anything, so I'm excited for this. 
Yeah, she's often talking on social media about like um, the dieting industry and how it sort of yeah. exploits women in the particular. the industry and, and all that yeah. bullshit, yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's exciting. She-Hulk is coming together, which mm-hmm. let me tell you. I'm pretty pumped look, for. Like, are you excited? Very, I'm excited. She-Hulk, understanding it's going to be built around this like law show, right? Again, it's like that thing where I, the more I see of Marvel TV, the more I know they can just do something off kilter. And yeah, if they focus mostly like, on the legal drama, but they happen to be superheroes, like that is a show I can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be Law and Order MCU, and I'm so excited. I'm <laughs> that so should be excited. the subtitle. Did you just come up with that? <laughs> That's <did>. so good. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Law and Order MCU. MCU. Mm, I think it's going to be good. Uh, <laughs> Nick Offerman is joining Amazon's A League of Their Own reboot series as oh. Casey Dove Porter, a benched MLB pitcher who takes uh, on the role of coach of the Rockford Peaches. He's joining Abby Jacobson and Darcy Carden, also who we love from The Good Place, who were previously cast on the show. Damask, this show just sounds better and better every time I, I hear about it. So he's like the Tom Hanks character. He is, yeah. It's not the same character, yeah. um, but the, the similar sort of role mm-hmm. in the show. That's, yes. I think that's such a smart choice because the way like one of the reasons A League of Their Own works so well is that you have the worst character in the world. Like he's a fucking dickhead, mm-hmm. but played by Tom Hanks. And so the, it's like he really kind of, yeah, walks that fine line of like he's – doing terrible things and he's so selfish but he is lovable and I think getting someone like Nick Offerman to play that kind of character is smart so you don't entirely hate them and you want them to be better than perhaps they are um so yeah this I'm really excited for this show I mean A League of Their Own is one of my all-time favorites so I'm just yeah I'm, I'm a little giddy about it to be honest no, I'm with you. I think it's one of my most anticipated shows at the moment. Um, really, really think it's got a huge amount of potential to, and could be extremely good. Jeff Goldblum has RSVP'd to Search Party for season five on HBO Max. He'll be playing charismatic tech billionaire Tunnel Quinn. You don't like Search Party, so we'll move on. But it hurts my feelings. Cool yeah. <laughs> that show is too mean. This is the opposite of what the problem was with uh, Zoe's Infinite. Extraordinary playlist? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Fuck, am I the Goldilocks of watching television? <laughs> this one's too sad. This one's too mean. <laughs> this one's just right. Glow alumni Chris Lowell has been cast in CBS's upcoming How I Met Your Father alongside Hilary Duff. Uh, it's also been confirmed that How I Met Your Father will follow the same format as How I Met Your Mother with Duff's character's future self narrating and utilising a multi-camera sitcom setup. Now, Chris Lowell, uh, what was the name of his character in Glow? Um, the young guy like yeah, funded the it. The su- um, yeah, oh, I can't remember. It's been so Anyway, long. I've been enjoying uh, He was great in that, particularly in season three. I think mm, he was, he was so particularly good. excellent. And then he had an excellent... Or he had a bit part in Promising Young Woman that was a bit of a standout as well. Um, so, I don't know. It's good to see him doing more stuff mm-hmm. too. You might notice that a lot of the headlines I bring up are people that we've just liked from previous stuff we've watched. <laughs> I mean, that's I really all the news I care about. So, keep totally. bringing it. Some important dates have been announced. Sex Education Season 3 will arrive on Netflix on September 17. We did mention this in our review of Sex Education Season Mm 1, which uh, just came out last week. We had the excellent Matt Palmer on that show as well. You can check that out right now if you haven't. We'll get to Season 2, hopefully, before we review or before Season 3 comes out on September 17. Um, 
The MCU's first Disney Plus animated series, What If, now has a premiere date, actually just of last night, of August 11th. The series will tell alternate versions of existing MCU stories, such as What If Peggy Carter received the Super Soldier Serum and Vibranium Shield instead of Steve Rogers, or What If T'Challa was abducted from Earth by Ravagers instead of Peter Quill. There is a trailer out as well, Damascus, which you may want to check out after uh, oh, we finish recording. I think uh, that I've looks heard cool. Paul Shear talk about it mm-hmm. on another podcast, and I can't remember if he's like written for an episode or something or is that wouldn't surprise me mm. i could see them like um getting different talent to yeah. give their spin on things and he's written like a, you know a bunch of comic stuff totally right yeah, yeah so yeah but anyway i have heard of it before but i'm definitely gonna check out the trailer because i it piqued my interest then and that's something i would like to check out as we get closer to what if and when it starts to release is who is behind the creators behind this mm. um show who's directing these and writing these but also like some of the voice cast is returning. For instance, Chadwick Bo- Boseman's last performance as T'Challa is going to be the voice work he did for this. Um, oh, so that's going to be pretty special as well. I didn't yeah, realise he'd recorded for it. Okay, I, cool. I did bring that up in a previous episode. Afterwards, I doubted that I'd actually got that correct, but it was since confirmed last night right. that he is actually, yeah, it will be his last go as Black Panther essentially or as wow. T'Challa because I don't think he's going to be Black Panther in this what-if scenario. But anyway... Interesting stuff. Never Have I Ever Season 2 arrives on Netflix on July 15th. So that's just next week. Woo-hoo. Are you looking forward to watching that? I am actually, yeah. I I really enjoyed that show and I think it's, I don't know, it's just one of those shows that makes me happy and I enjoyed the sense of humour in it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely keen. The trailer for Season 2 was rather promising. We I haven't watched that. Yeah, it, uh, I don't want to spoil it too much. For those who don't know, it's about a young girl high school romantic drama stuff. But mm-hmm. it was quite funny. And we speculated where season two might go a little bit. And I, I like the direction they've chosen based on the trailer. I think that's cool. right. the, probably the right move. Master of the Universe Revelation sequel series to the original Masters of the Universe animated series is to premiere on Netflix on July 23rd. It had a new trailer. It's actually had a second one since I uh, wrote this down that featured Bonnie Tyler's Holding Out for a Hero that was pretty hype. One of three trailers for different things I saw in the same week that used that song. It was a really big week for Bonnie Tyler. I hope she got a heap of like residuals for that. It was congratulations, Bonnie Tyler. You are this just week's like, winner. Don't know what happened. Somewhere the algorithm for like like this is the week for everything to use that song. It just mm-hmm. all peaked. It was very weird. It was like I'm actually getting sick of this song all of a sudden. Uh, it's probably just like season- the same music person who's like, I can't be fucked googling anything else. Here we go. <laughs> boop, boop, boop. I'm just put him in all. Because oh well, it was sorry. It was that there was a trailer for uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy video game that's coming out mm-hmm. used it, and it wasn't a third trailer. It was in Loki. It was used. And actually, ah. got to say, an inappropriate use of it. I don't think it actually worked in the show. And that was the third time I'm like, nah, you've killed this, guys. This this song needs to be like retired for a decade now. Mm. Uh, Succession Season 3 will arrive on HBO this fall with a teaser trailer now available to get ready for its return. I sent you the link to that just last night. Damas, mm-hmm. did you give it a watch? I did watch it. Um, How are you feeling? I'm super fucking keen. I mean, I didn't <laughs> need a trailer, did I? Like, no. this show is so goddamn good. I'm fucking pumped. I watched the trailer and I was just like, I think I was flexing. Like, I was just like, yes. I'm, oh, it's so good. I'm so excited. I'm ready for it. I'm just, I'm just going to smash it into my eyeballs. Thank you very much for bringing me more. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I get that. That's fair. <laughs> 
I feel uh, passionate no, about this show. Yeah, you do. And like, and rightly so. Uh, if you haven't watched Succession yet, A, go watch Succession Season 1 and 2. B, go listen to our podcast discussing it. Uh, but yeah, Season 3, we will be there with bells on to review mm-hmm. that. Looking forward to it a big so way. So many bells. In- in other news, following the success of Loki releasing new episodes on Wednesdays, Disney Plus will shift all its future releases from Friday to Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I think this is a smart move. The Friday like release was fun on su- to some degree. In Australia, though, it meant that like Friday nights where you might be going out for dinner or doing something was also Mandalorian Day. Like, mm. that's cool. It's nice to come home to that. But I might have to push that later in the weekend or Sunday by the time you have time to watch it. I think so a does, Wednesday night is a perfect time. Does, is that Wednesday our time? So, either, so is it different in America? It's Wednesday 12 a.m., 12.01 a.m. in the States, which is Wednesday about 5 p.m. here in Victoria, which <laughs> is perfect. Why are they fucking over America like that? That's so rude. They talk about this all the time, like people who are staying up till, I don't know if it's New York midnight or LA mm. midnight. Some people might be like getting up at 3 a.m. or choosing to get up at like 7 a.m. to watch it before going to work and stuff. Right. <laughs> Whereas for us, it's perfect timing. It's it like really just finished just finished work. Oh, Loki's up there. Let's, yeah. uh, Let's make get some home dinner and, and dinner. sit down and watch Loki. Yeah, it is actually really convenient. <laughs> it's been beautiful. And continue to do that. Please, Disney Plus. Loving that. Original composer Yoko Kan Kano or Kano is returning for Netflix's Cowboy Bebop. So this is the composer of the animated show. Mm. He's also going to be composing the live action series, which is probably the exact right thing you want to do because the the music is so iconic. Mm. It would be impossible for anybody else, I think, to live up to those expectations and possibly even for Yoko Kano to live up to those expectations um, based on how iconic that that score is or that soundtrack is. But I think that's an excellent move. and does make me just a little more excited or a little bit more confident that maybe the live action series will be good. I don't know about you. Yeah, I mean, that's because I haven't watched... Cowboy Bebop, but that's one of the few things, because I don't really know anything about the plot even, but mm-hmm. that's one of the few things I've actually heard about this series is about the music. And from people who aren't really, you know, anime, they're like, you know, musicians or DJs and stuff who just talk about this guy's music for the show. So I was like, so that seems pretty fucking smart to me. Good for there's them. A, there's a great meme of someone trying to listen to jazz and discovering they don't actually love jazz. They just love Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> it's, really, <laughs> it's, it's true. Uh, it was a revelation sometime in the last month that MTV had offered to pick up cult classic Freaks and Geeks for a second season after it was cancelled by NBC, but Judd Apatow and Paul Feig turned them down. Whoa. Yes. Whoa, whoa, drama. <laughs> oh, Okay. They passed on it, apparently, and you can read the full interview. I'll put the link in um, our show notes. Uh, there's an article on the AV Club about this. But they were, they were doing an interview and they were talking about this. They passed on it because they would have had to agree to a smaller budget and they didn't want to do a weaker version of the show. And one of the reasons the show was potentially expensive is because they were trying to get all this like music licensing and stuff like that that mm. they use in the show because you know they're trying to create particular era and music was a a big part of that show as well uh so i understand that but that you do that's a bit of a bit of pill to swallow if you're a fan who's been like holding out for more of this or and like this whole kind of mythos this narrative of like the tragedy of freaks and geeks like not being appreciated and you know the suits being like fuck you guys and us the little guys the viewers the people who loved it you know, not experiencing a, a world we should have, which had more freaks and geeks in it. But it turns out, uh, 
that, but I was just like, nah. Well, I mean, it's important to remember it was NBC that cancelled them and MTV was yes, offering to pick it up. And like different situation, definitely. It's not like it was the studio came back and said, come over season two. And they're like, actually, guys. <laughs> How about no you thanks. go fuck yourself? <laughs> yes. No, I understand that. But still, yeah, cool. it's like, oh, they, they could have been. Yeah. But it was an active choice of, you know, mm. the creators to say, actually, we're going to walk away from this now. It is interesting. Mm. Finally, Harley Quinn creators say DC won't let Batman go down on Catwoman. <laughs> Did you you would have remembered this? this was all through the internet a couple of I weeks ago. I feel like ago. this, yeah, from five years ago, but yeah, no, I do remember that was this. This month. Via <laughs> Sam Basati at AV Club. I'm going to read some quotes here. Speaking with a variety for an unrelated purpose, Harley Quinn co creators Justin Halpin and Patrick. Shoemaker revealed that DC has given them a ton, a ton of leeway in terms of what they can do with Harley and her villainous friends, but they were told you absolutely cannot do that when they tried to include a scene in the show's third season that involved Batman and Catwoman having sex. Here's the full quote because anything else won't do it justice. We had a moment where Batman was going down on Catwoman and DC was like, you can't do that. You absolutely cannot do that. They're like, heroes don't do that. So we said, are you saying heroes are just selfish lovers? And, the, and they were like, no, it's that we sell consumer toys for heroes. It's hard to sell a toy if Batman is also going down on someone. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's a great idea for a sex toy line. Totally. Totally. Yeah, there are more Batman than one figurine. version of toy. Yeah. <laughs> There are lots of versions of toys you can make, not mm. just ones for kids. That's right. Uh, I think it's very funny, more than anything. It's I, so I love some yeah. of the memes and jokes that came out. Most of all, just the fact, like, what's the purpose of Batman's ridiculous cow if he's not able to go down on exactly. Catwoman? Like, that's, Pure that, convenience. He is fully decked out in leather except for one specific <laughs> part of his face. It is purpose-built, guys. Yes. Come on now. Jeez. Don't you know, kid I, yourself, DC. I agree. I agree. It's it's very silly, but it the silliness of it kind of matches with the tone of the show as well. Yes. Like it's yes. pretty perfect. Yeah. I mean, I assume so. I haven't seen season two since it's not released in Australia. Still, I just, I just checked last so night. Upset. Fucking ridiculous. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Damas, what have you been watching? Oh, you know, a couple of things here and there, Brod. Um, well, one thing I've been watching is called Too Hot to Handle. You kids have probably heard about it. Um, it's a reality show on Netflix. Its second season has just recently come out. Mm-hmm. And I fucking smashed it. I smashed right through it, let me tell you. Um, So for those that don't know, it's about a group of 
people in their 20s, maybe early 30s, um, a lot of them, you know, are influencers and models and that type of thing. Um, they are invited on a reality show um, under the guise of it being like you get to live on an island and kind of like it's pretty much Love Island, but they give it a different name. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit of a ruse. So they invite all these people to this island, give them, you know, the first 12 hours or something to kind of get to know each other, have some kissy kissies, being like, ooh, you're so beautiful. I want to fuck the shit out of you. Um, And then all of a sudden they are told, actually they're on a show called Too Hot to Handle in which they are not allowed to have any kind of sexual activity with one another. It's about building deeper, you know, connections and relationships. Um, And, of course, the people that they cast on these shows – have zero impulse control. <laughs> um, so it's very amusing watching people do the simplest of tasks. Just don't have sex with someone. Just don't do it. Um, don't give them a little handy at 2 a.m. <laughs> Just don't do it, right? Pretty simple. I do that, you know, most nights. I'm not walking <laughs> into random people's beds being like, you want a hand job? Um, very easy. 99.9% of the time I'm spending not having sex. It's a good point, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's something you it's, do majority of the time. I mean, read a book. I don't know. <laughs> um, have a conversation that isn't about sex. Um, so <laughs> I really like this show. It's so stupid. It's such a simple thing to do. These people are absolutely unable to do it. I don't think there's. they go for a 24-hour period where they don't break a rule. Wow. And so the premise is they there's a pool of money or there's a hundred thousand dollars. If they break the rules, then that money like they detract from subtract from that money. Um, and so obviously you get to a point where like certain people are breaking rules and they're losing money. And so instead of other people being like, can we just have a conversation? And like I find it really disrespectful that you do this. Please stop doing it. Instead they're like, well. If he's getting a blowjob, then I definitely need to get a blowjob. And so they just start kind of, they all just start fucking each other. It's a nightmare. Um, so, but it's 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 a lot of fun. It's very addictive. Um, I also like that while it's, you know, under the guise of teaching these people to, you know, have conversations with those of the opposite sex as opposed to just being purely physical, mm-hmm. um, being able to build deeper connections. It's not as harmful as, say, a show like Married at First Sight, which has all this faux therapy. Yeah, um, pretends to be yeah, like... And leaves people more damaged than when they came in. Um, I'm talking about Married at First Sight. Yes. And often they match people who are extremely incompatible um, and yeah. quite toxic together. Whereas in this show, they at least choose their own partners. Um, yeah. Yes. And have a bit more, they have the ability to, you know, leave at the drop of the hat as opposed to being forced to stay in relationships that are unhealthy. They um, talk about marriage and first sight being an experiment, right? Yeah. Whereas I think this is more of a, like a legitimate experiment in terms of let's put all these people who would normally do this, give them an incentive to not do it and mm. see what happens. Yes. Whereas Married at First Sight is let's find two people that are definitely going to have drama with each other yep. and probably potentially be really toxic and then make a TV show out of it and yes. say it's an experiment. Yeah. like And tell them we're doing it for their own personal growth yeah. and health. It's like, yes. oh, yes. mate, that's that's not great. Yes. Um, so in terms of like, because this is real trashy reality TV, like mm. this is like the bottom of the barrel, which is like pretty much my sweet spot really. Um, <laughs> so I'd probably, in terms of that rating, I'd give it four out of five neon green bikinis. Like it's just <laughs> kind of... 
really, it's really good. Can I ask, how do they choose the winner? Like, how do they choose who takes home the prize money? Um, so this season, um, so there's kind of like this Alexa, you know, like in your house, you're like, hey, Alexa, yeah, blah, blah, like blah. It's pretty much assistant or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty much that thing that is observing them. It's this the cheapest looking kind of <laughs> piece of shit prop that has a voice like Alexa or Siri or whatever um, that monitors them. So yeah. it's about kind of – so she judges where they started to where they end up mm-hmm. um, and she chooses three finalists. Um, this is just at the very end of the show. She chooses three finalists um, in terms of who she thinks has grown the most and learnt – the most, and then the other people who live in the house um, all vote for who they think should get the prize money. Gotcha. Yeah. Super high tech, and definitely yes, definitely not a real just a producer algorithm. behind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, it's real. Uh, what else have you been watching? Um, so I've been watching Final Space because mm-hmm. Angela and I recently we like to watch an animated series with like our morning coffee. Just because they're usually like 20 minutes or whatever and just kind of a nice, fun way to start the day. You're trying Um, to like recreate Cheese TV every morning. Pretty much. Cheese TV. Yeah, absolutely. I get Angela to sing the theme song for me. Um, (laughs) Give me a bowl of cornflakes. Absolutely. Um, (laughs) So I've been watching that because we've we've rewatched all of Dragon Prince. We we rewatched all of Korra. So we're like, oh, maybe we should find something new to watch. Um, so we found Final Space, and I think my brother actually recommended this show ages ago to me. I watched the trailer, and I was like, "Absolutely not!" It looked like Family Guy in space, and I was like, "This is not my show at all." But I was like, "All right, well, let's let's give it a whirl," and I ended up really liking it. Like I was pretty invested in this show. So we have obviously it takes place in space. Um, we've got the protagonist is a guy called Gary Goodspeed and he is an absolute tool bag. Like he's a fucking loser in a lot of ways. Um, but actually what ends up happening, which I was like, oh, that's a nice surprise actually, is he has this dedication to others that is really endearing. Even though like he kind of has the bravado of a douchebag, he's actually not. It's kind of more in the cadence, like his cadence in the way that he speaks. Um, and some of the things he says, you're like, oh, God. But he's actually just a really lovely guy. So that was a nice little turn for me that I didn't see happening. Um, so what happens in the show is Gary um, kind of discovers this adorable little green blob um, who makes a, the cutest little sounds like... Like it kind of sounds like Jigglypuff a little bit. Sure. Um, and he he names it Mooncake, which is such a cute name. Um, but Mooncake is being hunted by this big bad evil guy, and so he kind of goes on the run with Mooncake, and he meets all these people, and they become like this chosen family type thing. Sure. And it's a really exciting space epic that is pretty fucking funny, but also like breaks your heart. Like there's some real. You know, it's like an animated series, like, you know, people die and like it's, mm. it's, I'm, oh, I, I was really surprised by how much I fucking enjoyed the first season. Cool. I mean, we've, we've got a, a humanoid cat character called Avocado. Like it's just kind of, it's really cute and fun, has a huge heart. Cool. Um, yeah, no, I, I really recommend season is one. It, 
genuinely funny. Like, it sounds like it's a comedy as well. Yeah, I mean, I found it really funny. Yeah. Cool. And I think there's some great voice performances in it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but what's surprised like, I was like, oh, yeah, this show's funny. And then, like, you know, in the middle of the season or whatever, I was like, oh, I'm genuinely invested in these yeah. characters, which was a nice surprise. Cool. Um, I have recently finished season two, which wasn't as good as season one. They introduced a lot of new characters. And I'm like, I'm not really vibing with these mm-hmm. people, but... Season three is available in America. It's not available here yet. So I'm looking forward to kind of seeing where they go. Really? That. It's a Netflix show, isn't it? Or what's it on? It's on Netflix here, but I believe it was... Oh, no, I'm thinking about another one. Never mind. Yes, it is. No, it's... Sorry. It is available on Netflix here, but it's actually an Adult Swim show. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Right. Yeah. So, this is what's so confusing about the way that Australia gets their stuff distributed. It's like we thought Solar Opposites was like a Disney Plus exclusive yeah. or a Star exclusive or whatever. No, it turns out that thing's been on Hulu for three years and we yeah. just didn't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm. All right. So, I've got another animated show that I've been watching. Mm-hmm. This is actually one that we watched before Final Space. It's called Close Enough. Have you watched that one? Mm-mm. Okay. So, this one was created for HBO Max, but we get it on Netflix here. Um, so it's created by J.G. Quintal. It's so hard for me to say that because we have a viewer called G.J. And I'm yes. so used to saying that. But this is J.G. Quintal. I had to close <laughs> my eyes while I said that. Um, and he made Regular Show, which oh, I have yes, never watched yes, yes, that. Yes, yes, I don't yeah. know. Neither if have I have. really, but I'm very familiar with it. Lots of people have been. Yes, you know, like I can picture the drawings in my head when yep. as soon as someone says it. But the, I've actually I never watched it. I see a blue it. bird, a yes. blue humanoid bird. That's the regular yep. show. Yep. Um, i got to say, I hated the first episode of this show. Like, I was like, Ooh. this is shit. This is a bad show. This is not funny. I don't like it. Um, but, I, yeah, I was watching it with Angela and she's like, oh, it's not that bad. I was like, all right. So, we kept watching. And also, I couldn't be bothered thinking of what, like, choosing something else to watch. I was like, I just don't have the energy for that right now. So, I was like, okay, we'll keep watching. Whatever. Um, yeah. I was another one that I was like, I really like this animated show. So it's about a couple with a young child um, kind of in their early 30s mm. and they live in a share house with a divorced couple, one of which is played by uh, Jason Manzoukas and you know how much I fucking love him. As long as he's um, cast correctly, sure, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and in this one he is. He's pretty much Jason Manzoukas. That Perfect. is the character. Um, so it follows kind of this couple's adventures as they navigate um, – you know, from being independent people in their 20s to now being fully-fledged adults with a child of their own. So it takes those kind of like, you know, transition stories that are pretty familiar and I think things that I've seen friends with young children go through, but it's infused with like so many absurd elements. Like, you know, they'll have like a theme of the week episode and then it will be told in really absurd ways and really funny ways. Um, Yeah, I just thought it was a... Really lovely, very funny show. Um, lots of, yeah, crazy narrative choices that you'd never know where an episode is going to go. And it was, yeah, I would highly recommend, recommend Close Enough. I mean, I don't have kids. I can't really fully relate to that. But I looked at these characters and was like, I see these people. I, I know who these people are. Absolutely. Would you call this like an animated sitcom? Like, is this something you compare it's, to like a Bob's uh, Burgers or yeah, a, it's something like that? it's absolutely an animated sitcom. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. 
All right, so my next one, this one is also came out, you know, years ago, but I'm catching up on things because um, they're now available in Australia, which is always exciting. So I watched <laughs> on Disney Plus, so the stars section of Disney Plus in Australia, uh, One Mississippi. Uh, have you heard about this, Broderico? No, you just mentioned it before we started recording, and it's a great title. Uh, mm. I've never heard of it, though. So it's Tignataro's show. So it's about... You're looking like, I know that name, but I don't know who that is. No. Who's that? <laughs> so, Tignataro is a stand-up comedian. Um, as soon as you see her, you'll recognize her. Okay. Um, she's the comedian who kind of really blew up when she did a show about just finding out that she had cancer. She had breast oh, cancer. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, so, this show yeah. is kind of about the time in her life when she's just kind of recovering from, you know, having a double mastectomy and... Obviously, she's dealing with that, but her mum dies in a really sudden and kind of strange way, and so mm. she has to go. And this is a true story, and so she has to go back to Mississippi to kind of deal with, you know, her mum's life and like take care of some things. And she ultimately ends up staying for much longer than she anticipated. Um, so there's a documentary called Tig, which is kind of also about this. Um, which I love that documentary. Oh, she's she's on the rise at the moment, Tigma So I've seen her. What have I seen her in? Is she I mean, the on one the rise for that... a good five years? No, no, but like she's in. I think she's, she's in, in Star, Star Trek, Trek Discovery. Yeah, she, and she was in Army she's... of the Dead. Army of the Dead, famously though, got like blue screened in to replace another character. Like, Cri- did not spend played any- by Chris Delia or whatever the fuck that loser's name is. Yeah. Right, and like, but is I haven't watched the Army of the Dead, but like, stole the show. Apparently, he's like really good in that movie. Well, and she then- was the only good thing about that movie. Right. Okay. Yeah, and she was the only but- reason I watched. it. I was like, if Tig's in it, maybe it's all right. It wasn't all right, but she was great in it. And didn't spend a second with any of the other cast members. Like, right. is just completely like composited into that movie. Yeah. Her, like, her like introduction scene of like her character is fire. You're like, right. oh, cool, this character's in it, awesome. Fortunately, she doesn't get a shit ton of stuff to do, but what she does do is is very good. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's literally what I was going to talk about next. Sorry. Like, She's the reason, you know, I love her stand-up. I've always really enjoyed it. Um, she's the only reason I bothered to watch Army of the Dead. And mm. she's also probably going to be the reason, if I ever do go back to Star Trek Discovery, it'll be because I want more TIG content, really. Right. Um, so I already I started it from a place of I love this lady. I think she's very funny. Um, and what I love about Tignataro's humour is that in everything she says – it sounds like she thinks everyone is stupid, but it's not personal. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like she's not coming for you. She's just like stating a fact and it's like, okay, that was very funny. Um, pretty cutting, but it doesn't feel mean-spirited. Nothing she does feels mean-spirited, which I really like. Um, so this show is littered with flawed characters, um, but it's never judgmental of those characters, which I really like. She kind of gives us this feeling of this, her hometown. It's a small town in kind of, a smallish town in Mississippi. She doesn't really fit there. She also doesn't really fit in with her family, but that's simply because none of them fit in because they're all such oddballs. Like right. very, <laughs> very strange dynamic, but I really appreciate it. Um, there's a character of Bill, who is her stepfather, who is this man's, seemingly emotionally repressed, though not entirely. Um, He kind of speaks in this robotic way. And at the beginning of the show, I'm like, oh, that's a bit much. 
But then as we go on and learn more about him, it feels really authentic and he's mm. actually like probably like the most beautiful character on the show um, and you really can't help but fall in love with him. This man who's like clearly is so fil- filled with love um, and this desperation to connect and you can just constantly see him trying to figure out how to do that and just sure. not not having the facilities to. Um, yes, yeah, I really enjoyed the journey that they give Bill the stepfather. Um, so this is a deeply personal story. Like I said, it's obviously somewhat about her, you know, dealing with, you know, she just had life-threatening cancer. She's also like got a stomach illness. Her mum has just passed away. And then we also deal with some things that happened in her past, which I can't remember if I – I don't think she's mentioned it before, uh, but it's like I guess a content warning for um, sexual assault and molestation, that type of thing. So they deal with some pretty heavy stuff in this show and for the most part it's done really well. I think the show only suffers because there's only two seasons and I think a lot of the journeys we go on I think probably might have needed three. Mm. Um, there's a lot of perhaps – easy solutions or sure, really kind of conclusions and and just like conversations that are really heavy conversations but it's like well we've had this one conversation now it's all out on the table and therefore mm. there's healing that's going on but i think i'd like to see the next stage of like what active healing really looks like um but otherwise it's a really really good show um and i yeah would recommend people check out one mississippi remind me where you watched one mississippi Disney Plus in the stars oh, cool. section. Yeah. Awesome. So that was, I was, because I'd wanted to watch that for so long. Um, and then when I saw it, I was like, oh my God, amazing. Cool. Um, another show, I think it's got a similar tone to it, is called Feel Good. So I watched season one when that came out quite a while ago now. Um, and season two has come out somewhat recently, in the last month or two. Um, so I loved season one. It's Mae Martin's semi-autobiographical show. She's a stand-up comedian as well, like Tick and Taro. Um, <clears throat> that's a British TV show. I think it's made by Channel 4, but mm-hmm. I think Netflix, you know, did its international distribution and then ultimately greenlit season two without Channel 4's involvement, I think. Um, oh, right. Yeah, so they obviously were pretty enthused by it. Um, and I was as well. So she is a recovering addict or former addict um, who is falling in love with this girl named George who it's her first, um, it's George's first same-sex relationship. So there's complications there as well. Um, their relationship, however, struggles for a multitude of reasons. It's one of the most toxic relationships I've ever seen, but also very charming, very funny um, like you want them to succeed, but they're both like just so bad at being together that it's, yeah, it's a very satisfying watch. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I love season one. Season two is equally as fantastic. Um, so in season two, we see kind of May's career take off and she has to deal with a whole lot of repressed stuff which is interesting. This is the type of show that's actually kind of hard to explain to people and get them excited about it because the premise is quite simple. You know, it's about these sure. two women falling in love. Um, but I think the show really does win your heart with all of its kind of dorky and un- uncomfortable attempts to build a love story between two really complicated people. Yeah, uh, It's very simple. Um 
but I love it. Like I, by the end of it, cause there's only two seasons, like every good British TV show, like that's it. <laughs> um, by the end of it, I was like, I really liked that story. That was a good story. I feel good about this. Would you compare it to Fleabag, I guess, is the question everyone's asking. <laughs> it's everyone around the world. Is it, no, it's just is everything, it the next Everything Fleabag? that's like two yeah. series, you know, it's simple concept, yeah. uh, female-centric, mm. you know, got to be compa- British, compare mm-hmm. it to Fleabag. That's just the, yep. the go-to. Um, don't compare. Don't mean that. I don't look, mean that. Um, in a scale of <laughs> no to Fleabag, I'm going to say <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Um, I should also say that May Martin's character in it um, mm. is dealing with whether or not they are non-binary. And so oh, I'm sure I use a lot of female pronouns. That's because the character themselves doesn't know what pronouns they use. Sure. Um, so, yeah. So predominantly in the show, uh, May Mar- Martin's character uses female pronouns. Gotcha. Just to clarify that. Mm. Cool. I think that's it for me. Awesome. Well, I've been, I, I was looking through my list of like, have I been watching anything the last month? I've been <laughs> watching a lot of like, still getting through RuPaul. I think we're up to season like seven or eight at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, footy's on, Wimbledon's on. When I'm not watching TV, I just want to watch like Twitch, just like streamers and stuff like that as well. Yeah, I've been it's doing amazing a lot of that. Now this is like, you know, this is essentially my second job. I don't make any money off it doing this podcast. Sometimes just like watching a TV show is not what I want to do. But I have watched uh, all of RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under. The finale was a couple of weeks ago now. Damask, did you catch up on RuPaul's Down Under? Or are you just done with it? Just give up and not returning to it? This happens to me almost every year. Um, but you've never been watching it before. So I haven't had this kind of pressure. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's so hard for me to watch RuPaul week to week. Yeah. Um. I usually like we'll start watching it week to week, fall off, and then when it's all done, like two months later, watch all of it, and then I want to have conversations with everyone. It's like, Damas, that ha- no one cares about that anymore. Is <laughs> <laughs> like the general rhythm of how I watch RuPaul. Yeah. Uh. So that's a no, is what I'm hearing. You haven't caught up on it. <laughs> am I making excuses? Of course I am. <laughs> Um, okay, because it would have been nice to talk to you, uh, spoilers about this. That's okay, we can say it for another no, time. No, you can like. tell me spoilers. Like, I should have watched it by now. It doesn't bother me to know who wins. The okay, so this is the first season of RuPaul's Australia slash New, New Zealand spin off. Um, there's no word at this stage if there's going to be a second season. It might be because I'm a newbie. Mm-hmm. I got the sense that a lot of people didn't really enjoy RuPaul Down Under, mm-hmm. but I pro- probably en- I enjoyed it for the most part overall. I think there's certainly some rough parts in it though i can see why veterans as i'm getting to know rupaul a lot better or drag race a lot better i'm understanding why people probably fell off um i liked a lot of the queens overall i think it might be a talent pool problem where it's not always comparable or comparable Mm. to some of the talent you might see in seasons of drag race that being said i think there's also seasons of drag race where like one season to the next can really fluctuate in terms of talent yeah, as does. well. And who's like, that's a part of the show. Um, but I thought it finished relatively strong as often RuPaul seasons do was once you narrow it down to the best Queens, you see the best stuff, which was good. I didn't love, I think the thing that I was irritated by most with the show, apart from what I've mentioned previously, which sometimes watching Australian versions of things or making it like Aussie and Ocka centric can start to feel a bit awkward. Like I'm watching yeah. myself and I don't really enjoy that for whatever yeah. reason. 
Um, it's not. It's like I didn't need the representation. It just doesn't feel right. It feels off. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it also pro- feels put on. You're or like, put on. Yeah. yeah, it feels over the top, yeah. and that can also happen. I think when Australian sense of humor is like put through an like American lens mm. where they emphasize the most ochre parts. And it's like, well, okay, yes, we swear like sailors and all that sort of stuff, but do we, does everything need to be bonzer and like all that sort of stuff? Yeah. I also just felt like the production side of it, and like it probably was a lot cheaper than it would normally be, but it felt a little bit sloppy. I kept comparing it. Australia has um, its own version of Lego Masters, which has since also been done in the UK and the US. A show I quite like. It's a very family-friendly reality television show. I actually haven't watched season three yet. I'm behind on that. But it felt like it was like the Lego Masters team was doing RuPaul. In that I've watched enough RuPaul now to know what RuPaul feels like. And this felt... More cartoonish. It's not like RuPaul isn't exaggerated. It like mm. Drag Race is exaggerated. It always is, but it has a particular feel to it. And this felt off. It felt more produced, cheaply produced. I don't know. The lighting was really irritating me. Every time they're in the workroom, all mm. I can see is RuPaul's shadows on the on the wall on the background. Mm. Uh, and I was like, this is not lit well. It's not shot well. It's something about this is just a little bit C grade. And like, I don't know, drag is not necessarily meant to be sleek all the time. There's a certain grunginess to it, I guess, at some st- sometimes. But RuPaul's been going for 15 years or something yeah. now. Like, <laughs> In terms of production, is, though, like you're talking about the queen. production. You're talking about production, and then that's yeah, a different thing. It is a slick production. Uh, I thought Reese Nicholson was really, really good on this show mm, as I've, one of the yeah. three main judges. I've seen him like pop up on TV shows in... Australia a little bit, but I don't really watch Free to Wear. Yeah. Um, but I knew he existed and I he's got a Netflix special as well, but I hadn't really watched any of his stuff. And then I saw him on this show on RuPaul Down Under and I was like, oh, I really like him. I think he's yeah, yeah a funny guy. Like properly now, like I, I will pay attention to Reese Nicholson because of this. Well, he was an excellent mm-hmm. judge who like the, the, the meme is understood the assignment. He understood the assignment. He knew mm-hmm. what show he was on and he knew how to do it Right. Sometimes people come on and will try and be over the top or they'll mm. fan boy or fangirl their way through it. Mm-hmm. And I thought he was really, really, really good as the second, uh, the third judge. I've also come to realize <laughs> I've, I'm starting to like Michelle Visage. Uh, yeah. I don't know how this happened because when I started watching the show, I'm like, I have no time. And whether she's just grown into it or she's I changed the she, way she plays herself I on this show. I think she has. I think like... You know, earlier on, she was kind of the Simon Cowell. Yes, yes. A little bit. And she was yes. kind of playing that up. And I think she has a, a nice, well, she can like be really cutting with her critique and like really totally. tell you her her truth about what she thinks about what you're doing. She's also brought like way more warmth and yes. a sense of humor about herself as well, which I think is good. I thought she was particularly excellent as a judge and as a, uh, as a mentor, I guess, mm. in this season as well. The bits where she got to work with the queens on the maxi challenges and stuff like that. I, I was like, she's great. They, She and Rue also seem to be having a genuinely good time making this show, which sometimes you wonder, like when you're doing a spin-off of your existing show mm. and this is the umpteenth season, are you still enjoying doing this? And I think they actually were. And 
That's it's not like they were on a holiday in New Zealand with their friend. <laughs> Just yeah. having a nice time, yeah. Absolutely. In, but, like, you in know, a place that was COVID safe, you know. Totally. Yeah. But that is there is value in that. When I people so. are having a good time being there, I'm often having a good time as well because you can feel that. Um, oh, did you hear the conspiracy theories that Rue wasn't actually in NewEaland? I did. That's, yeah. <laughs> fuck. Can I, I just put it out there. Anyone who thinks that for a second, understand that there's not enough budget in this show to be able to convincingly composite Rue in from LA into this. Like the the eyeline work, the the compositing that would have had to have been done, it would have cost a fucking fortune. It's much cheaper just to fly Rue there and then keep them at a safe social distance, which is what was happening. Like that's what what it was. If it looked awkward, because it probably was awkward, but it doesn't mean... He wasn't there. He was. <laughs> and it's really obvious. And, uh, and I think people were just looking for a reason to, like, discount the show as being, like, not good or somehow not authentic to RuPaul. Which anyway. is crazy because, like, you look at the Canadian one and Ru isn't even a judge on that. Right, like, right. And, which is fucked up because he can certainly travel to Canada. Yes. Um, but, yeah, I don't know if it was just the sex sets of COVID that made them go, maybe Ru would like to get out of America for a while. Um, I also yeah. I also don't know if Ru. What was interesting to me, I think what impresses me about RuPaul the more I watch it is that he's an excellent host. Mm-hmm. He is an excellent mentor and judge, and he does the work. Like mm-hmm. he did his homework on Australia, or at least his producers were, and they were making it seem convincing. Mm. But like when it came to Australian, New Zealand, like cultural stuff, they. He was a he was across it. He's also in, married to an Australian, which I think and I did wonder if that was part of it as well. Apparently, mm. Michelle Fassage has got connections to Australia as well. So, like, there, there's reasons that maybe they were already sort of familiar with some of that stuff. Mm. Um, but if not, like, I think there's a, there's a real professionalism that I appreciate yep. about the show. Finally, and I don't want to spoil it because I would like you to bring this talk about okay. it when you do get to it. I think the right queen won, at least from Lovely. the queens that were left. There was a mm-hmm. final four, and of those final four, I was happy with the choice that was made. Okay. Whether or not that were my favourite is a different story, but I think it was the right choice. Mm-hmm. Completely different note. I have watched Pixar's latest animated feature, Luca, mm. which is their third, I believe, feature film to be available on Disney Plus at no extra cost and no extra cost, and not to be released in cinemas at all. This is Onward, then followed by Soul, and now Luca. Mm-hmm. As by the Disney Plus description, just to explain this, what this movie is, set in a beautiful seaside town on the Australian Riviera. Oh, sorry, Italian Riviera. Australian Riviera. The Australian Riviera. Just Margaret River or somewhere off the coast. The Murray. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Disney and Pixar's original feature film, Luca, is a coming-of-age story about one young boy experiencing an unforgettable summer filled with gelato, pasta, and endless scooter rides. Luca shares these adventures with his newfound best friend, but all the fun is threatened by a deeply held secret. They are sea monsters from another world just below the water's surface. Luca, for the most part, is just charming, colourful, if a little bit basic, I think. I think it's definitely skewed a little bit younger, especially Mm. compared to something like Soul, which you can't (laughs) hold against Pixar though, right? I think I saw a tweet being like, I really like Luca because it's the first, you know, Pixar film in so long that didn't make me like 
reconsider all of my life choices. <laughs> and 100%. I was like, yeah, I really appreciate it because I watched it as well, being like, oh, this was just like a really good children's movie that it, I had a lot of fun with. And there's totally. nothing wrong with that. Mm. It, in a sense, though, it makes it a little bit more forgettable, I think. Uh, but it's it's a sweet, simple story compared to, yes, some of the extra existential horrors that, that Pixar films <laughs> can otherwise present as family mm. films. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, but I can see this being a big favourite for kids who watch yeah. today who may even grow up and find it a really important movie about friendship uh, and maybe even more than just friendship. Mm-hmm. I think some people have already seen sort of, if it's not explicit, at least queer allegories in this film, which is oh, fair 100%, enough. 100%, yeah. 100%. I mean, like after I watched it, I went straight on Twitter to, you know, I, you know, read other people's opinions and it was just all gay fan art. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, yeah, there's clearly, yeah, an allegory there. Um, yeah. Don't necessarily have to connect with that one, though, because it could be about a myriad of different things. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, it's certainly there, which I like. If The thing I probably enjoyed the most was just the beautiful, colourful realisation of Cinque Terre and the Italian Riviera mm. and being transported like back to childhood friendships and sunny holidays and there was a real, like... You know, school holidays, summer vibe to it, which was mm-hmm. fun. Certainly, I don't think it's in the top echelon of Pixar films, but it's far from its worst as well. This is no The Good Dinosaur. This is no Cars 2. Um, it probably just sits in the middle or just a little bit below that. Because the thing is, when I say sits in the middle of Pixar films, that's a pretty that's like high good. standard still. Yeah. So, it's <laughs> a little bit below that. In it's- terms of just like kid kids' movies in recent years, I think it's fucking good. Um, yeah, yeah. It's one of those ones. I'll tell you what it's not. It's not like one of those kids films that if you would have it on the background like a million times because your kid's really into it, mm. you're not going to get sick of hearing like the sound of minions or something like that. It yeah. doesn't have the, it's not oh, that. Mm. It's definitely a much more charming, sweet, rewatchable film. Yeah. Also maybe one of the slighter ones in recent times. Um, and I, I also don't think I missed anything by not seeing it at the cinema, but I'm still pissed that I didn't have the option mm. to see it at the cinema. And not that like Disney and Pixar necessarily need my money anymore. They've got plenty of it. But it does feel weird to me that Pixar, this is three for three now. And the first two made sense because of the pandemic, but films are being released in cinemas again now. I could have gone to see this. Mm. I would like to support Pixar because I love their work for the most part, and kind of annoying that I can't do that. I, f- they, they, I feel like they were cheated a little bit by Disney on that one. I mean, they'll have your viewing data, so it's not like Disney doesn't know that you watched it. True, true. Speaking of Pixar, I also watched the first episode of Monsters at Work. This is the Disney Plus semi-sequel series to Pixar's classic Monsters Incorporated, starring Ben Feldman, Mindy Kaling, and Henry Winkler. Uh, It also has what seems to be ongoing roles for John Goodman and Billy Crystal, Sully, and Mike. Probably is a semi-regular roles, but we don't know yet because we've only seen the pilot or the first episode yeah. so far. And it's about a fresh out of Monsters University scarer who rocks up to his first day at Monsters Incorporated to find out they're now harvesting laugh energy rather than scares. And so it's only the pilot so far, uh, but it seems like it's going to be a workplace comedy about adapting when your job basically becomes redundant. The thing you've been <laughs> trained for your entire life that That's you thought hilarious. you were going to be mm. no longer exists. The changing and industry. Yeah, gotcha. It very, very much <laughs> that. Um, That's funny. Mm. Yeah. And it's interesting because, yes, it's a continuation of Monsters Incorporated, which on some level I've always wanted. On some level, seems like a terrible idea. So rather than getting like a forced sequel movie, I guess making a sequel series that focuses on 
other characters, but takes place within the recognisable Monsters Incorporated world, it's probably a good sort of in-between. And also, yes, it's good to be able to see Mike and Sully again, who I think, you know, are a great buddy team. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as pilots go, this one was thoroughly whelming. (laughs) The only character I really, really connected with straight up was Mindy Kaling's Val, who's this sort of sunny, quirky uh, mechanic character who she plays to a plum and the character design of Val is really fun. And beyond that, I was left pretty like whatever with the show. But but it is a pilot. It's more just setting up like okay, this is where we left things off. Here's to introduce your characters. Just sort of get us to a place where we can start to tell real stories. It's also obviously skewed pretty young as well. So mm-hmm. um, it's this is the awkward thing about Monster Incorporated. A lot of people who love that film when they were younger are now fully-fledged adults and would like to be able to enjoy this too, I think. Mm-hmm. And we'll see if it actually does that or not. Mm. With the cast, I did think it was going to be, yeah, like for adults. <laughs> Yeah, it's got yeah. well. That's it, right? You think about that—the return of those, but also the the new cast members. Those are recognizable adult comedy mm-hmm. stars. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what comes out. I'll keep watching it if it can keep my interest. Uh, Rick and Morty season five has arrived. Dan Harmon and Justin Roiland's animated sci-fi adult comedy for Adult Swim that we've reviewed the first four seasons of. I think only the first three episodes are available on Netflix in Australia at the moment. I think we're maybe an episode behind as it comes out in the States. So far, I don't want to get too deep into it because we may review it. So far, it's been pretty solid, if not particularly excellent, at least by Rick and Morty standards. Mm -hmm. The highlight episode so far is one where the Smith family, uh, Rick has created a duplicate family to sort of work as like a decoy or a decoy Mm -hmm. family. The word decoy gets said a lot in this episode. And... When the decoys find out they're decoys, they try to kill the other decoys so they can stay alive. And you can imagine how that escalates in mm-hmm. Rick and Morty fashion. And that was quite a fun one. Uh, otherwise, yeah. If anything, I'm just left wondering or continuing to wonder a question that we sort of asked after the last couple of seasons is what should I expect from this show going forward? Because the first couple of seasons, there are these particular highlights where it opens things up into mm-hmm. a, a more serialized story. That is quite interesting and engaging. There's some mystery to it. But every week we seem to find out that Roiland and Harmon are working on new projects. Like, mm. I swear there's a new... Dan Harmon's working on this sitcom. Dan Harmon's doing this movie now, whatever it is. And the show's been renewed for like another seven or eight seasons to come yet. Should my expectations like come down a little bit that we might not be getting any sort of answers or continuation mm. of those stories and that this is just going to be a solid, hopefully solid episodic animated comedy and just to hope that that's what we get for a while. I mean, maybe, maybe because they've been given so many seasons in the future that like when they didn't know, they tried to open it up as much as possible to perhaps yeah. get a cool resolution. They might be closing it a little bit now so that yeah. it has, yeah, time. It can last for, you know, those seven seasons or whatever. So I think I need to stop waiting for like, is this going to be the episode where we finally see this again? Yeah. And start just going, okay, show up for today's 22-minute romp and move on. Yeah. Kind of think that's where I need to set my expectations, which also makes me think that maybe, depending on how this season's go, might not be worth reviewing as well. Mm -hmm. But we'll see. Uh, Finally, before I went to bed last night after watching too much tennis, I realized I was going through just trying to figure out what I'd been watching. There was a new short, Simpsons short. I haven't watched The Simpsons in a very long time, anything new called The Good, 
the Bart and the Loki. It is a Simpsons and Loki crossover. It goes for about three minutes. It's like full of Marvel references and stuff. It is truly unfunny. And I am so like, it's just another reminder of why I don't watch The Simpsons anymore. Yeah. <laughs> The credits on this thing are longer than the actual short is. It there is no there is nothing about it that gives it any reason to exist except someone said, "Can we please do a Simpsons and Marvel crossover? Let's make it happen alongside the Loki show." Yeah. It's like it doesn't have anything to say about Marvel, it doesn't have anything to say about the Simpsons. It could not be like I could have shat this script out myself, I reckon. It really is that that awful <laughs> it's I so feel like, so bad yeah around the time that i stopped watching the simpsons there was a lot of like instead of like really good and funny story it was really like well can we have this pop culture thing in an episode this week can we have this pop culture thing in an episode this week and i was like that's not why i watched the simpsons like it, yes. yeah there was so much oh, like yeah. this celebrity wants to be in the simpsons and feels so honored to be in the simpsons i'm like i don't give a fuck about this celebrity why are they in mm-hmm. this story and this this just takes that to a whole other level of just like corporate shilling, basically. Mm. Oh, it's so bad. Watch it just to roll your eyes. If you need to like exercise your eyeballs, mm. this is a perfect way to just force I would them. I only rolling. watch it if Disney Plus had that Netflix thing where like once you watch something, you give it a thumbs up or thumbs down. I don't want them to think I watched it and was like, oh, I've been waiting for this. Yeah, absolutely. Before we finish up, I want to have... I don't think it's going to be enough for the spoiler room. I don't want to go unlocking that basement door. So, mm. I have sort of prepared this spoiler blanket for it. Love if it. If you'd like to, yeah. like... It's just, you know... <laughs> uh, it'll be easier. We can yeah. just pop in and out, you know. Mm-hmm. Not a hassle. So, if you just follow me in for a second, I just have one thing I want to go through the spoiler section with sure. you. Just a quick question first. Yes. Have you washed these blankets? These are straight out of the linen closet. Okay, it's fine. Cool. All right, great. There's, All right. Here I go. Know, and like, clip, like clop, the fa- clip, clop. That's how you sound effect. Why are you wearing horseshoes? <laughs> I don't know. I thought they'd look cool, and I can't take them off because they're nailed to my feet. I we got a message from listener Daniel Adams ahead of our sex education season one discussion, and mm-hmm. I failed to bring it up. I was going to talk how about during. I know, and I completely forgot. I remembered afterwards, and I sent, him, I sent Daniel a message saying, I'm really sorry, I didn't mean to bring this up. Uh, it's not a lot. In fact, it's some stuff we've sort of addressed, but there was a part of it in particular that I wanted to get to as well. And Daniel simply says, and so spoilers for uh, Sex Education Season 1. We still haven't watched Season 2, so we won't be talking about that because we don't know anything about it. Uh, Daniel says, was wondering when you get around to sex education. Fair question. Uh, <laughs> just talk about how good Gillian Anderson is. Mm-hmm. And so, I want to take a second to say, again, Gillian Anderson is fantastic. <laughs> Great. I think we show. talked about that. Yeah, yeah. A little bit. I don't think we went into real specifics, but she really just is such a charismatic figure in this show. I mean, there's and no point getting to specifics because it's all just so so yummy and so good. So yummy. That's a good word for it. Mm. Also, this is Daniel continuing. Also, Adam, headmaster's son for those who don't remember, has got to be one of my favorite LGBT plus characters in TV for a while. His internal struggle with his own sexuality is real, coupled with a very tense relationship with his father. 
It really cuts to the core of being someone who has struggled and been in similar circumstances. So that, that's, this is the main reason I really want to get to this because mm. we did touch on Adam very briefly, but yes. mostly it was in discussion of how they got around or how they implemented his um, sort of not coming out story, but his storyline about struggling with his sexuality. It mm. happens mostly, well, it comes to a head in the last episode in yeah. a way that uh, was a trope that particularly you didn't love and no, had like Christians it. for, which is fair enough. But we didn't necessarily talk about the rest of Adam's story or mm-hmm. like how did you feel about that? If we take out sort of this idea of the homophobic bully who turns out to actually be closeted. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about the rest of his story about a guy who is struggling with his sexuality in that way, who um, obviously has such a very controlling parent? I can certainly see why this is an important story for someone like Daniel. I personally don't know if it's quite there yet. And maybe it's just because it's season one, but I'm waiting yeah. for season two, I think, to really explore that, hopefully explore that properly. Yeah. It's, it's hard it's sort for of- me to untangle the... Because I, I like the character mm-hmm. of, you know, someone who is repressed and has to deal with kind of this ideal put on him by his dad and mm-hmm. obviously not being that kind of person. Similar to... um. What's the other gay character's name? I've totally forgotten. Eric. Eric. Similar to Eric, like, you know, you know what is what is a man? What kind of man do I want to be um, dealing with that? Um, but it's hard for me to untangle that from um, the both physical and emotional violence that he puts on other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I guess what I would be interested to hear from others and especially you, Daniel, is what parts or were there specific mm. moments or anything that really stood out to you that you found compelling or familiar or relatable, um, especially from season one, but anything from season two as well, because we'll be getting to that at some stage yeah. in the next couple of months. I would definitely like to continue this yeah. discussion. Well, then. I, I, yeah. I think I need more from Adam. Like you said, I mean, what we got was, yeah, I think marred for me by the reveal that he is actually, because I was excited there was going to be an exploration of, yeah, this to- toxic masculinity that he's had to kind of, that is the place that he feels, you know, strongest. Mm-hmm. Um, but also it's really isolating. So I enjoyed that part of it. Um, so if they continue that in season two with less kind of overt homophobia coming from him, mm-hmm. I think I'll be happier with that. It was it is an interesting part of just how the season is constructed because that, while again, it is probably it is hinted at by the show that he might be gay, it's not, it doesn't really get realized until that last episode. And mm. so you spend nine episodes dealing with him being this bully who you understand, yeah, is struggling with that toxic masculinity, is struggling with that father figure, those expectations. Um, and then right as we get to that point, the season ends. And so you can then go back and fold that revelation into the character mm. we've seen before, but the show has not had time to actually incorporate that into the story we're seeing it. Yeah. Um, and maybe on a second, on a rewatch, I would feel differently about that. But as of a first watch, it just wasn't enough there to, to come to any particular conclusion about that. Except that I can definitely see how this 
that's this is a real story and mm. how people would feel represented by seeing someone like Adam on a show like Education. So, but more than anything, I think I'm just looking to see what they do with him in season two. Um, and hopefully from there, it'll be easy to have something to say about it. I think that's it. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Off Topic Hot Topic. Was there anything else you wanted to say, Damask, before we go? That's it from me. Wonderful. We'll climb out of this blanket fort. We will see you next week to discuss Loki season one. Uh, without saying too much, because I haven't mm. told you about this, how did you feel about episode five, the second last episode, Damask? The second last one? The one we just the, just released. The final episode is coming oh. out next week. Episode I got five. Weirdly emotional. Mm. <laughs> I got weirdly emotional. I, I will. Am... I will say, fully on my period. <laughs> I've literally <laughs> everything I've know. watched. I've got fully emotional. <laughs> is extremely influential in how you respond really, to television. We're really at. <laughs> so I just ha- I just have to let everyone know. Um, Mama's feeling a lot of things, <laughs> and not all of them are valid or. Really dealing with what's in front of me. <laughs> so yeah, just gonna let you know. We need to talk to what like you think? these streaming services about you know release schedules working <laughs> around your period. My moon cycle. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Uh, uh, I thought I had some particularly high highs. Sometimes left me feeling a little bit. This is getting a little like really odd to the point of almost like. Making putting putting some distance between the audience and the show, I thought for a second, but overall, I thought it was pretty. It was spectacular, if nothing else. I thought it was really impressive oh, as a television yes. show. I think it um, looked. I really enjoyed the visuals. The visuals incredible. Yeah, getting ahead of ourselves. Let me put it this way: one episode to go. I'm yeah. super excited. Yeah, and I cannot wait to talk about this next week. Like me too. Really, 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 really looking forward. It's to It's a that. show that after an episode finishes, because we're watching it week to week. Obviously, I'm like. But I want to watch it all now. Like, yes. I just get... Also, it could be because of my period. I don't think it is. But I, I want to have a tantrum because I just want to... I want to know what happens. Yeah. We'll be back with our review of Loki Season 1 next week. In the meantime, thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.